What is up, Huda Nation? Welcome inside the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. With the Saints-Bucks matchup coming this week, we're going to break down the most important matchups for this rivalry game, uh, You know the X factors going into it. We'll also talk about the injury report. It's pretty loaded with star names on both sides of the football. All that coming up here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Once again, as always, the Straight Up Saints podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. And with the NFL season underway, you can bet $5 on any NFL team to win and you get $200 in free bets if they do. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code BOOT, all capital letters, and get $200 in free bets if your team wins that $5 wager. That's code BOOT. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now joining me for this very special edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast is J.C. Allen of Pewter Report. J.C., how's everything going? Thank you for joining the show, man. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Happy to run it back. Um, going great, man. The football's back. What, what more can you ask for? You know, we got a nice game Thursday night game. Finally, you know, it seems like these games are usually a dud. We got a nice Thursday game uh, leading into a, a strong slate of weekend games. So excited. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about that Thursday game, Chargers, Chiefs, two of the probably most explosive teams in the NFL. So that's going to be an exciting one. And then that leads us into Saints Bucks, both teams starting off the season with a win. And, you know, let's talk about the Buccaneers real quick before we get into, you know, the injury report matchups for, for week two. Um, you know, the Bucs had an interesting game against the Cowboys where maybe the offense didn't flash the way people might want them to with all the weapons that they have. Uh, but man, I thought the defense looked fantastic, obviously, uh, and they ran the ball extremely well for you. What was kind of the main takeaway of that week one win against Dallas? Yeah, I think you hit it the defense. I mean, uh, the Cowboys scored the most points in all of football last year, and the Bucs held them to three points. Uh, so that was a huge takeaway. The additions they made in the offseason uh, with Akeem Hicks, Logan Ryan, uh, you know, Logan Hall, some of these different draft picks, players stepping up into new roles with Antoine Winfield in the slot uh, predominantly and Joe Trinshoenka, uh starting at, at outside linebacker. I think those uh, allow Todd Bowles to have tremendous flexibility on defense and and play matchups very well. And you saw that in, in that first game. The offense, for all the, you know, red zone struggles they had, not being able to get the ball in the end zone, there were still some big splash plays. I mean, Julio Jones with a 12-yard end around. Julio Jones with a 48-yard uh, uh, reception. Leonard Fournette broke off a pair of 17-yard runs, 14-yard runs. So there's definitely a lot there to work with. Um, you know, communication is going to have to be better, especially playing in the dome. And they're going to have to, you know, really kind of get over those red zone woes. But, you know, got out of there relatively healthy. Donovan Smith looks like he avoided a serious injury. Same thing with Chris Godwin, who was coming back since that week 15 Rams uh, uh, Saints matchup that that knocked him out with an ACL tear. Um, you know, so he, he looks like he'll be back, but uh, relatively soon as well. But I think when you look at the Bucks, the balance that they had uh, on offense was was really uh, encouraging to see with the, the split between running and throwing the ball. And and then yeah, the defense I think was the biggest takeaway. And, and if you watch the Bucks closely, special teams didn't suck, so that was good as well. So you talked about, you know, the offense and and um, some of the splash plays uh, for me. And, and this is someone, you know, who's not tapped in with the Bucks the way you are. Um, I, I, you know, all offseason, we hear about Leonard Fournette and whether or not he's in shape for him to come out and did what, do what he did. Um, is that something that you think kind of carries over, whether it's week two or week three and, and you know, beyond? 
Um, what's kind of your thoughts there about the way he performed and what we should kind of expect for Leonard Fournette, who uh, Saints fans mostly know him as an LSU hero. So they're, they're interested to see what's going on with him. Right. And I know it's a homecoming for Lenny, so he's going to be excited to go back there. And, you know, Lenny did show up a little bit out of weight, um, overweight rather, uh, you know, to OTAs. But when he came to the training camp, he looked fit. He looked good. He's running with a sense of, uh, you know, urgency and vigor to him. You know, just signed that three year, twenty one million dollar deal. So I think Leonard Fournette, th this Lenny is here to stay. He's he's motivated. He's excited. He's, um, you know, playing with a, a different level of confidence and different level of swagger than I think I've seen him in the last couple of years. You know, obviously we know playoff Lenny Lombardi, Lenny, you know, all these different Lenny forms of Lenny. We saw Sunday night football Lenny. Uh, and I think that's going to continue the season. And the Bucks made a big onus on being able to have more balance in the running game. And you saw that, you know, last week and you saw it done effectively. I think, you know, part of the reason why um, they're going to lean on the running game a little bit more uh, early and often in the, first half of the season at least too is the the new offensive lineman they have up front you know Luke Gedeke is a is a rookie who second round rookie who's making his first starts Robert Hainsey is a third round pick from last year who's getting his first starts uh and Shaq Mason who they got you know replaced Alex Kappa in uh in, in the offseason he is a guy who's best known as a run blocker so Play to your strengths, you know, and, and that's running the ball. And that's going to be key against the Saints team that has, has consistently shut down the run, forced the Bucks to pass, and then have been able to tee off on them pretty much, um, on Brady pretty much because of the, the one-sided one factor. So uh, Lenny's going to be huge going forward. And, and if you can keep up this this uh, pace, then it's going to be scary for other opponents. Yeah, so I feel like I have to ask at this point um, – Tom Brady, you're 23, age 45, just continues to defy father time no matter what, doesn't care, um, kind of goes against the grain in that regards. You know, you look at the stat line, does it really stand out to you? No, but I, you know, nothing for me from that Cowboys game that I watch and say, oh no, Tom Brady, you know, can't play at a high level anymore. But you just seeing him, whether it's preseason, training camp, um, you know, having a chance to see him more over the last, let's say, month or two, um, in terms of confidence level of, of Brady, if they need to go pass heavy and him kind of anchor that offense, how, how confident are you? 100%. 100% confidence in Brady. Prove me wrong to, you know, <laughs> you know, prove me wrong until he's just been able to, the, the what he's been able to do at the age 44, at the age 43, and now going into age 45, still one of the quickest releases, releases in NFL football. And for so long in that Patriots career, he was known as the dink and dunker, right? They're going to beat you with a thousand paper cuts. Hasn't been the case here. He still had the second fastest release out of any quarterback last year while having the most 20-yard-plus uh, throws down the field of any quarterback last year. And the only guy who had more a quicker release time was Ben Roethlisberger, and he was literally dinking and dunking pretty much the whole year last year. So, uh, you know, I think in, until there's some sort of signs of him slowing down, you have to have confidence in him. Uh, you know, Mike Evans, we've seen what he can do. Uh, we saw what he did. Uh, you know, turned it up in that second half, caught the beautiful one-handed touchdown while he was falling backwards. Julio Jones looks like he's going to be a real problem and an asset to this team. Uh, and then Chris Garland and Russell Gage, once they're back, I mean, he's got plenty of receivers, and that's not even including Lenny out of the backfield, the tight ends, and, and some of the other options they have to throw to. So, you know, if they have to throw it, they're going to throw it. And Todd Bowles has pretty much said that, the Bucks head coach. He's whatever it takes to win the game is whatever they're going to do. If they got to throw it 70 times, guess what? They're going to throw it 70 times. They can run it 70 times, they're going to run it 70 times. If it's more balanced, 35-35,
that's what they're going to do. So whatever it takes to win the game, they have full confidence in both the running game and the passing game. It's just gameplay is going to dictate what they do and how often they throw it and how, and you know, how often they run it. And we'll see how that goes this upcoming week against the saints, whether, whether it's more balanced or uh, leaning one way or the other. Yeah. So let's get into, you know, that saints bucks matchup coming up and, and for people listening, whether it's through Twitter or YouTube, um, if you want to drop in a question, particularly on YouTube, I'll bring it up later on in the show. I'll go through a, a fan Q and a segment later on, but for now, uh, JC, I want to talk about the injury report because I think for both teams, we kind of look at this thing. It is just loaded with big names from the Saints side. You have Jameis Winston listed with a back injury. You have Paulson Debo out with the ankle. Alvin Kamara dealing with a rib injury. Uh, and then on the Bucks side, I mean, pretty much every big name wide receiver they have, whether it's Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Julio Jones, they're all listed on the injury report. You have Leonard Fournette listed on the injury report. Donovan Smith, you talked about him escaping a major elbow injury, which is good, but still dealing with enough to, to miss practice on Wednesday. Uh, what were, you know, what's your overall feel, let's say heading into Thursday and Friday? I know it's always too early to kind of say, hey, who's out, who's in, who's out. But um, is there kind of a sense in Tampa Bay's building about, hey, this might be a week where we were out without one or two offensive weapons? Is that kind of the belief right now? You know, I think it's play it by ear right now. Um, Friday's injury report had 10 guys on it, too. Uh, and, you know, majority of them end up playing. I think Mike Evans is fine to go. I think Leonard Fournette, who is at practice, both of those guys were at practice. I think they're fine to go. It's kind of monitoring. And, you know, obviously you don't want to put hamstring. I mean, you know, you call this hamstring you. It's affected everybody so far. Mike Evans was dealing with it. You know, now Chris Godwin, Russell Gage was dealing with it. Zion McCollum. Now Lenny's dealing with a hamstring. So, uh, it's just Florida's hot. You know, I mean, New Orleans is kind of like the same, you know, hum hot and humid. Uh, you guys play in the dome, though, so you guys kind of have that advantage. But, you know, you got to stay hydrated, and that's one thing that, you know, leads to these soft tissue injuries. But uh, I fully expect Brady to go, who was had a veteran day off today. I fully expect Evans, Fournette to go. I think Russell Gage will probably end up going. I think Julio Jones will probably end up going. He's usually getting an off day anyways. Uh, Rashad Perriman, I think, goes. Christian Wirfs, I think, goes. Donovan Smith is going to be a pain tolerance thing. So I don't expect him to practice tomorrow. Uh, he didn't practice today. Friday is more of like a, you know, walkthrough type practice. Maybe that's where he'll practice on Friday. Um, and then, hey, Tordal is a wonderful drug, you know. So if they shoot that elbow up and he's ready to go, I mean, he could go out there. And, and for all that's made, you know, there's so many rivalries within this rivalry. You look at the the Michael Thomas and the Carlton Davis. You look at Rashawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. And another one is Donovan Smith and Cam Jordan. They've been at each other, talking crap to each other over the past you know years that they've been that playing. So I don't know if Donovan Smith wants to miss this game. I think he, I think he's got a good shot at going. So really, Zion McCollum, who's missed you know the last three weeks, I think doesn't play. I don't think Chris Godwin plays this game. And, you know, there's a, there's a small chance Russell Gage might not play this game if he's not 100%. But looking at the injury report right now, I think most of these guys, at least six or seven out of the ten, are, are definitely going to be going. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, JC, kind of take us through this, um, you know, for Saints fans who might be curious, because I know that, um, you know, when Donovan Smith goes out, I, you know, people talk about, hey, well, the Saints play the Bucs in week two. If he's not playing, what's the situation there? So let's say in the event Donovan Smith doesn't play. Uh, what's kind of your expectation level for who's going to be, you know, left to right side of that offensive line? Who's probably being there in the starting lineup for the Bucks? Yeah, it'll be Josh Wells. He's the first man up in that situation. And uh, many, you know, Saints, uh, you know, Bucks fans remember Josh Wells last year in the Rams game where uh, he kind of let Von Miller run all over him. 
but he was also dealing with an injury himself. So, uh, and he's a much better left tackle than a right tackle, uh, you know, in that swing position. So, uh, you know, it kind of depends, right? I mean, Cam Jordan, it, how is he? You know, he's dealing with a hip injury for a big man. That's a tough injury to deal with. Uh, is he 100%? Is he even able to go? If Cam Jordan's able to go, then I think it's it's going to be a little bit of a tougher matchup. But then, you know, that's where that balance comes in. You know, you run the ball. He's a better run blocker than a pass blocker. He had that tough sack that he let up against Micah Parsons, but then kind of settled down and didn't let up another sack. Let up a couple of hurries, but that was the only sack that he let up of the game. And again, it's Micah Parsons. So, I mean... You know, you can you can forgive him for that. He's a backup left tackle. But, um, you know, I, I think they have full confidence in whoever's there. I mean, they, this is a they like their team. They like their depth on the offensive line. That's why they didn't go out and sign anybody. That's why they didn't try to get a J.C. Treader before he retired or an Eric Flowers or any of these other guys who are on the market or, or, or the trade market. And I think they have the full confidence in him. But uh, I would expect them and I expect it anyways for them to lean more heavily on the run game. Uh, but definitely, if that's the case, if Donnie's not able to go, then, yeah, we, we lean on the, on the run game a little bit more with Wells in there. Yeah, and I think that would make sense. You know, you don't want to go into week one overreactions about what teams may or may not be, but the one thing that was glaring from the Saints game against the Falcons did struggle against the run. Cordell Patterson uh, ran up and down that Saints defense, so it would make a lot of sense, especially after the way Fournette played, uh, you know, Buccaneers to kind of go down that avenue. Uh, I want to talk about something that, that kind of, I believe, came out today. Tristan Wirfs talked about it. Um, you know, with Todd Bowles are talking about the team when it comes to a rivalry, there's got to be give and take. And um, the Buccaneers, absolutely, in terms of winning the important one, they did that during the 2020 season, winning the divisional round game, of, of course, you know, on their way to winning a Super Bowl. Um, but over the last three years, obviously, the Saints Bucks matchup, it's been leaning Saints in terms of who's kind of come out uh, on the winning side of things. What is, you know, how big of an energy difference is there? when the Bucs are getting ready for Saints week? Is is there a noticeable difference? Is there kind of a chip on the shoulder for guys in the locker room? Or is it is it kind of just business as usual? Because I'm curious, because this is one of those matchups, and I'm sure, JC, you see it on Twitter all the time. Oh, yeah. I know Saints-Bucks fans treat it like it's a different week. Like They're, they're, they're amped up for this one. Uh, I, I feel like fans are ready to put the pads on themselves. So um, how are the players behind the scenes kind of in terms of energy level and getting ready for a matchup of this magnitude? Yeah, as far as Twitter fans, I mean, we've got a group here, loose cannons. Like they, they ban things. There are no po boys, no, no, you know, anything like that. No voodoo. They put up. They're like, who does voodoo in New Orleans, anyways? But um, yeah, I, I think you know they're not going to show it as much. They're not going to talk about it as much. And Tristan Wirfs pretty much said, yeah, there's got to be give and take, you know, for it to be considered a real rivalry. But as I said, this is a rivalry. I mean, these teams usually generally don't like each other. Michael Thomas and Carlton Davis are not friends off the field. They're not going to get Waffle House after. Same thing with Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. And I highly doubt Donovan Smith and Cam Jordan are. There's some disdain there. Jameis Winston has hard feelings for every, how everything sh uh, shook out with the Buccaneers. We saw it last year with the eating the W's and stuff like that. Two years ago, eating the W's and, and them partying, you know. Um, there's some back and forth where these teams don't like each other. Um, so they're not going to, for the most part, publicly say it, um, you know, but I, I talked to Antoine Winfield Jr. yesterday and you know, he said they do get a little bit more up during Saints week. And, you know, Todd Bowles kind of rushed to the side when I asked him today, but, uh, you know, I went and asked rookie, rookie defensive tackle Logan Hall. And he's like, yeah, you can, you can feel it. We we want to beat these, we want to beat these guys. Like it's, uh, it's time to get over that hump. Um, and get that W. But you know what they've been saying the last two years? You know, I think one thing that works well for them is they've played a lot better for some reason in the Superdome 
than they have at home. If you look at those games, it's a nine point win and eleven point win for the Saints. Well, on the other side, it's a nine point win for the Saints in, in Tampa. It was a shutout though, and the other one was a blowout, thirty eight to three. You know, when they, I think they only had five rushing attempts the entire game. Um, so you know, this is a game. This is a team in general that they want to beat. But you know, until you do it. Tristan's right. There's got to be some give and take. And so far, you've just taken L's besides the one that really matters. I mean, and Saint, and, and Bucks fans will point that out. Sure, you, you, they've won seven of the last in the regular season, but the one that mattered to go to the Super Bowl, the Bucks came away with. So they always have that to hang their hat on, at least. Yeah, and somewhere I know some Saints fans listening, and they're bringing up that Jared Cook fumble. I I could just sense it from now. Uh, it, it's it's getting to them. But it's no one Phil Jr. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that is a great point. Um, you know. The one thing, and we talked about it before, we're talking about the Cowboys Bucks game and, and how great the defense looked. Um, one of my things, this is just, you know, it could be anyone just watching the Buccaneers. One of the guys that just stands off the screen is Devin White. He's, he's one of those players that immediately pops off the page by watching him. I look at the way the Saints played in week one, and, and they were fortunate to come out with a victory. And I thought the last 12 minutes of that game, flawless football, offensively speaking. And, um, you know, I could go on and on about what they did right there. What they did wrong for most of the game was. Handling blitz uh, uh, protection, protecting their quarterback on a general basis when the Falcons are just rushing for. And I look into this one um, with Todd Bowles kind of being the head man now, and, and I know he was running the defense the last couple of years. How aggressive should Saints fans expect that defense to come out, whether it's attacking Jameis Winston with blitz packages? What, like, what should we expect early? Is it, is it kind of firing at all cylinders from the jump? It's. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be blitz. You know, everyone expects Todd Bowles because you know his resume has been blitz, 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 blitz. I mean, you look at the last play of that divisional game against the Rams, sending all out blitz against the best quarterback in the league against the blitz last year, and they, he made you pay for it. But you know, last week they they didn't blitz as much. Uh, sure, they sent a few guys in, in in situations, but they they weren't. It wasn't a blitz heavy scheme like Todd Bowles and and exactly what you just said. You know, looking at what the Falcons were able to do, um, you know, with only rushing four, I think that was part of the what the Bucks wanted to do this this offseason and getting more athletic and getting more, um, you know, younger, getting younger and, and more agile on that defensive line and they did so with Akeem Hicks and they did so with Logan Hall and those guys have speed have athleticism and they're going to bring a different while while not losing any power you know Ndamukong was great six sacks last year never missed a game and you know he brought that power but his speed was starting to dip you know he's a 35 year old guy um Akeem Hicks brings that and he brings versatility and allows you know when you have those two guys next to each other they're taking up three blockers like there's no way around it you have seven over 700 pounds in front of you like <laughs> i don't care how big of a guard or a center you are you need some help with those two guys when they're rushing so that frees up stuff for everybody else and we saw that um you know it didn't translate necessarily to as many sacks but the pressures were there Shaq barrett led the led the league in pressures last last um this past week and he didn't register a sack but he was all over the place so um, the Bucks will send blitzes on on occasion but for the most part they're going to i think rely on their front four to get pressure and get after them. Um, you know, they have a very versatile defense with the three safety look that they have on the field there now who are all interchangeable at strong, free, and nickel. And they can do a lot of different things to disguise. Um, so, you know, Jameis, um, you know, he doesn't look like, at least last week, he was he was willing to run as much as he did uh, to start the year last year. So it, it's going to be interesting. And I think they're going to have some des exotic designs where, um, 
you know, they're going to try to confuse Jameis and, and have him, you know, throw some turnovers. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of flip it to the other side. I think one thing I've noticed ever since Brady got to the box, the key for the Saints has been if you get after him with four and you keep everyone else in coverage, that's obviously kind of the way to beat Tom Brady. And, that, and that's been, you know, the only chance that NFL teams have really had at beating a Tom Brady-led squad is making sure you get after them with four. You know, when you talk about injuries that happen, whether it's during the season, before the season, whatever, there's some that just, it seems bigger than just what they bring on the field. And that's kind of what it felt like when Ryan Jensen went down because he's been such an integral part. And I think for Saints-Bucks games in particular, if there was a scrum, I could guarantee you, <laughs> I felt like Demario Davis was there and I felt like Ryan Jensen was there. I felt like there was, right. you know, they were at the forefront. How confident do you feel in the Bucks O-line, the way it's currently constructed, whole new interior compared to last year? Obviously, we talked about Donovan Smith, but he'll be back at some point this season, obviously. Uh, it won't be that long of an absence. But, you know, we talked about Brady and how the confidence doesn't wane on him, but he also needs protection. That interior, did you see enough week one to be like, okay, they take that next step against the Saints, I feel pretty good? Or is it one of those, uh, let me see how they play against the Saints before I feel pretty good about this unit? Because, like we mentioned, it's all new in terms of what you're getting at the guard spot and center. I think it's, I think it's, let me see. Let me see you against the Saints. And, and that's, that's more so the the left guard in the center, right? And Hainsey looked really good. I don't, Shaq Barrett's an upgrade over Alex Kappa. You know, like, let's just put that out there. As a run blocker, as a, you know, as a pass blocker, he's been graded out as a top five, you know, right guard in the league over the last, you know, five years. Like, he's, he's money. It's that left side of the line. And, and you know, Gadecki, as far as that nastiness, he is a self-described glass eater. Like, he's got a mean, nasty streak, gritty streak to him. So I don't worry about that, you know, losing that from Jensen, that grittiness and that grime, griminess on the field. Um, but, you know, the, for no res disrespect to the Dallas Cowboys, their defensive front is not the Saints defensive front. It's not the Packers. It's not the Chiefs. You know, it's, it's not even the Falcons, you know. Um, those defensive tackles that they have there, while they can present problems, don't present as much as, as the problems that, you know, the, the Saints and these other teams on their schedule coming up can present. So I need to see it from them. I need to see them be able to handle really good defensive tackles who know how to apply pressure, who are uh, good against the run and, and, you know, good against run blocking and can get off their blocks and make plays in the backfield. Let me see it this week. I have confidence. I was impressed by what I saw. There were some struggles early. They seem to have got corrected. I like the athleticism I saw out of Hainsey being able to pull from that center position. Gadecki, um, you know, using his his strength and his and his um, you know, his grip strength to to move guys off the point of the attack and open up holes for Leonard Fournette. Um, but again, that's in the running game, passing game. I still got to see some of it a little bit more uh, before I, I'm fully comfortable with these guys going forward. But fortunately, that that's not my decision to make. And it's just Tom needs to feel comfortable. And I think he's getting there with these guys. It's going to take reps though on the field. That's what it's going to take. And I think what you're seeing the first four games compared to the middle four games compared to the latter four games is going to be a night and day difference between this offensive line. I think by the end of the year, they'll be right where they were before. So you mentioned Gadecki. I'm glad you did. Uh, he's one of those guys, you immediately sit down with him. So impressed. I, I was fortunate enough to talk to him before the draft, and I asked him what his favorite thing has been just about like the whole process getting to that point. And he told me my favorite thing about football is I get to kick the guy's ass across from me and not get in trouble for it. I'm like, I that's a great answer. So uh, he definitely raised my toughness. I mean, as LSU guy, you saw him just abuse Andre Anthony, uh, just abused him. So uh, in that one game, but you know, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's, he's a ass kicker. That's for sure. Yeah. He, he won't back down and we might see that. And, and, you know, two matchups in particular that won't back down and that'll kind of be the last 
uh, matchup thing that I'll talk about before we just get to a quick X factor. I am so eager to see, obviously, the usual Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore battle that we always get. But I think one that might actually be even more intriguing could end up be Carlton Davis and Michael Thomas because of kind of what unfolded during the 2020 playoffs and the tweets and all that. Um, you know, I, I listened to what Carlton had to say today. He's, he looks like he's ready for that matchup. Um, when you guys see what he was able to do so far, Carlton, over the last couple of years, and now Michael Thomas back, and, and I thought he looked fantastic in week one, how important is that matchup going to be? Because I, I made the argument earlier this week talking about the Saints. When Michael Thomas gets going, it opens up everything for, the, for them. It's going to open up Jarvis Landry. It's going to open up Chris Olave. How confident are you in, in Carlton Davis being able to win another matchup against Michael Thomas? Because, you know, history over the last couple of times, I, I would give advantage to Carlton there. It, right. It's like it's the same thing with the Bucs Saints. You want me to go? You want me to pick the Bucs to win a matchup? Show me. Show me you can win a matchup against the Saints. <laughs> Michael Thomas, you want, me to, you want me to say that you're going to be able to beat Carlton Davis? Show me because you haven't. And CeeDee Lamb is a damn good receiver. They held him to two catches on 11 targets. Uh, you know, we've seen what he can do against the likes of, of Devontae Adams. You know, you hold Devontae Adams to six catches for 60 yards. You shut Devontae Adams down, quite frankly, in my book. You know, we've seen what he's done against Julio when he was with the Falcons and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Carlton Davis doesn't get enough respect he does as a true coverage corner. He can literally take people away and erase them from games. He just doesn't get his hands in the ball. Well, that's not true. He leads the league in pass deflections since 2019. He doesn't intercept the ball enough to get his name mentioned among the top corners in the league, which I think is is unfair. But yeah, you know, prove prove it, prove it to me, Michael Thomas. Prove it. You know, we know it's going to be lots of trash talking. They avoid. They tend to avoid getting chippy. Like unlike Mike and Marshawn, like they'll yeah. they'll go at it. Um, but you know, I think a big thing too of of these matchups, especially with like Mike and and Lattimore, is your Brad Marshan, your instigator is gone. He's with the Eagles now. Like you know. Garner Johnson would start crap with everybody on the field and then just let people punch him and smack him around and just take it and draw the flags. Like, I mean, I think that's going to be another uh, another key matchup, especially with Adebo, uh, Adebo, Adabo, Adebo, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, he might be out as well. Um, so, you know, those are those are big losses for the Saints in this matchup, you know. And then you got Matthew and May who are um, – no, Matthew is fine. He was on the injury report last year, but May on the injury report as well, limited with an ankle. That's going to be really key to watch. That secondary, how does it perform? Uh, can Marshawn, can you know Mike Evans play cool headedness and avoid penalties, costly errors, which we haven't, which we've seen in the past um, in, in this matchup. So it's going to be interesting to watch all the way around. I'm, I'm definitely excited for the Carlton Michael Thomas. I'm definitely if, if Donovan goes, Donovan versus Cam. Uh, cause cam's got the better of him the last few matchups and, and obviously Michael, uh, you know, Mike Evans and, and Lattimore, and that's going to be all, always a fun matchup to watch before I get you out of here. JC last question on this, you get to pick one X factor for this game. What, what are you kind of leaning towards? I think if I have to pick who has to be the X factor or who's going to be the X factor, which one do you want? I'll go who who has to in your mind, or who would you pick to be the X factor? Uh, not who definitely will be. Who Leonard Fournette has to be the X factor. Going back to LSU, going back to his root, you know, Louisiana, his roots, LSU player. He's got to go back there, and he's got to establish the run, establish it early, because we've seen what happens with this Bucks team when they can't run the ball. As you mentioned, they rush four, they cover the back end. Tom Brady can't find guys, makes mental mistakes. The rush, the you know, the rush gets to Brady. 
and and it results in bad bad um you know bad results coming out of the uh on the offensive side so Leonard Fournette has to be the guy on offense to be that X factor and a little bonus one another LSU Tiger Devin White Devin White had two sacks last week he needs to be the X factor on defense he had a pick six that he dropped he needs to be the guy who's going to if Alvin Kamara plays take Alvin Kamara or race him from the game and uh, you know, make his presence known as a tackling machine and maybe get a couple more sacks. I've got him as a as potentially being in the race for defensive player of the year this year. So I think, uh, you know, he, he's he's bound for a good season. OK, I, I absolutely like that. Uh, JC, before you get out of here, tell people where they could kind of find your find your content this week. I know Saints fans are going to be eager to see what's going on in Bucksland. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to love it. Uh, <laughs> but hey, if you guys want to follow me, listen, I always say I'm a football fan first. If you know. I cover the Bucs. I'm from New England, so the Pats are the team I grew up with. The Pats were wiped off the face of the earth, and I had to watch, and that was it. Like, I would still watch football. I'd find a new team or I'd find something. So, if, if you know, that's what I always say. If you want to learn more about football, if you're just a football fan and want to keep tabs on everything going around the league, give me a follow. I'm your one-stop shop for everything Bucks. whether it's the content I have, whether it's content the Bucks are putting out, players, and what they're saying. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow us at Peter Report for all of our work. Uh, we have a podcast coming out. We actually have Terrence Cooper uh, coming on our podcast tomorrow at 4, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern time. So Terrence Cooper works with the Believe Podcast Network, a uh, former wide receiver for the Saints, for the Cowboys. Uh, so if you want to hear what he's got to say, feel free to tune in tomorrow. And we'll have an in-game live stream throughout the entire the entire uh, of the entirety of the Saints-Bucks matchup this week, too, on Pewter Report TV over on YouTube. So that's where you can find me. That's where you can find all my work. And uh, appreciate you having me on as always, man. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on, JC. Absolutely. We have to run it back uh, in, in December. Yes, sir. Can't wait, man. All right. Talk to you soon. Once again, that was JC Allen of Pewter Report. You know, it, it's going to be an interesting week. Like we said, Saints, Bucks, so many big names on the injury report. Um, make sure you guys follow JC, see what's going on with Tampa Bay. Um, now, before we wrap things up on the Straight Up Saints podcast, we're not done yet. What I want to do... For the last, let's say, 10, 15 minutes, if you have comments, questions, concerns, predictions, throw them in the chat if you're listening on YouTube. I'm going to pull them up on the screen, and we'll get to them, and that'll kind of be our fan segment of the Straight Up Saints podcast, and that fan-generated portion of this podcast is going to be presented by Neutral Vodka Seltzer. Real vodka, real juice, refreshing, simple, tasty, and un 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 uncomplicated. Neutral, the official seltzer of the Straight Up Saints podcast and Boot Crew Media I'm going to jump into two questions that I got earlier on Twitter. I won't be able to pull those two in particular on the screen, um, but I do want to give them a quick shout out to guys that definitely always, um, you know, tune in for the podcast and leave their best questions. Biggest matchup that I'm going to watch other than Lattimore and Evans. Um, you know, we talked about it before. I talked about it with JC. That matchup that I'm looking for is Carlton Davis and Michael Thomas. We talk about Carlton Davis, who has a great track record against Michael Thomas. And on the flip side, you talk about Michael Thomas, who has done an excellent job of fighting his way all the way back from an ankle injury that's lingered for the last two years so can michael thomas get over that um you know hump against carlton davis and beat him in that one-on-one -on -one matchup and if he could i think that has that trickle down effect i talked about it that week one matchup for the saints for the falcons game everything changed after you you know you saw michael thomas start to get open you saw jarvis landry have big plays we saw chris olave get open it all comes off of that. So I'm very curious to see how that unfolds. That would be the second matchup that I'm looking for for this one. Now, another one that I'm looking for is um, 
the offensive line versus the defensive line in the sense that, hey, look, defensive line of the Saints did not step up in week one. I thought that was a glaring weakness in this one. And I'll talk about it because I saw another question related to it. I'll get into that. But Bucks O-line's a little banged up. How does that one unfold? So we'll kind of see there. Now, the second question on Twitter before I get into the YouTube comments, so make sure you guys keep them coming. How happy do you think Tom Brady is not having to face TJ Gardner-Johnson twice a year? I would say he's thrilled. And if I'm Tom Brady, I would be thrilled because Gardner-Johnson is the ultimate instigator. Gardner-Johnson's the ultimate, uh, not just instigator, great playmaker too. Um, we saw him bait Tom Brady inter into an interception twice last season. So I think that is a huge factor to this one. Uh, and when you think about losing Gardner-Johnson and the games that it would affect you for, this was the number one game that I was looking at where it's like, man, Wish you had Garner Johnson for this one. If you're going to trade him, trade him after the Bucs game. So um, that was a good one. So let me get through these comments. Obviously, um, go Saints per usual, guys. I saw this one. Chris is working with the enemy. Um, I laughed as soon as that one went up. I yeah, couldn't help but chuckle. Can't wait for the Carlton Davis versus Michael Thomas matchup. Amen, man. I, we talked about it before. That's going to be a key part of that game, uh, how that one unfolds. This game definitely gives me energy of two teams nowhere near their best. That's a great comment, John. I, I can't agree more than that. Whatever happens on Sunday, I want to make it very clear. I don't think you're going to get the best version of the Bucs, and I don't think you're going to get the best version of the Saints. I feel very confident in the sense that I don't think the Saints are going to reach their best form till later this year. We've always seen it when the Saints kind of hit their stride. It's October. It's November. Too many new faces right now in the secondary. Guys coming back on offense from injuries, whether it's Michael Thomas, James Winston, trying to figure out your offensive line situation, which is not ideal at the moment. So I don't think this is the best version of the Saints. And then I look at the Bucs. They might be without Chris Godwin. If they're without Chris Godwin, off the jump, that is not the best version of them. Off the jump. I, I think Godwin's that important. Uh, not having Donovan Smith, not having your left tackle, that would be a huge problem there. So that's obviously something to key in as well um, for this. So I do agree, John. That, that is an excellent observation for that one. I, I, I totally agree. Jameis has a back injury. Yeah, he, so... Jameis limited, listed him as a back injury. I can tell you from now, it would be an utter shock if Jameis Winston does not play in this game. All signs point to him playing. My guess is it might be something that's back spasm related. And that's what he went in the medical tent for, obviously, because it was one of those you're in, you're out. He took a lot of hits. He got bent in a weird way before he went into the medical tent on a sack. So um, that definitely is a possibility as to what happened. Jameis struggled in the first three quarters of that blitz middle, uh, blitz up the middle, uh, took four sacks. Why doesn't Jameis audible at the line? Part of it, look, it goes a little bit both ways in terms of sometimes whether or not it's on the quarterback or not. Like I could go back to week two of last year against Panthers. A lot of it was on Jameis Winston with blitz protection. There were moments during the Falcons game where it was either, I thought Jameis held onto the ball a little bit too long, but more importantly, there were times where Cesar Ruiz was getting destroyed by Grady Jarrett. And then on the left side of the line, James Hurst was getting beat by the speed rushers of the Falcons. Those, those are the glaring problems to me more than the blitz. I'm not saying that, that James Winston doesn't have to get better in that regard. Of course, quarterbacks have to keep improving, get better in terms of making audibles at the line of scr scrimmage. But I, I, that was my main concern there, man. I, I think the, the left tackle and right guard play has got to be a lot better for the New Orleans Saints. Cam Jordan has a hip injury question mark. He does. So um, that's what he's listed as. I don't think that means that he's not going to play. Uh, I would be shocked. He is another Iron Man. Remember, it took COVID to get Cam Jordan off the football field. And then he came back somehow even better. So uh, expect Cam Jordan to play. 
And uh, that that would be that. I would not worry about it. I, I would need to see his status get downgraded from limited to did not participate for me to be like, oh, shit, I don't know if Cam Jordan's going to play. But for now, I feel pretty good about that. Good man, John Butler here. Do you expect Fournette to have su- uh, success similar to Patterson this weekend, or will the lack of a mobile quarterback reduce that threat? So I, I still expect Leonard Fournette to have a good game um, for two reasons. I do think the Saints defensive line, particularly the defensive lineman uh, in the interior, I think that is going to be the gl- the glaring weakness of this defense, minus the the added caveat of if one of their linebackers gets hurt because I don't like the depth at linebacker. But that's not the problem right now, and, and hopefully it doesn't become a problem. So let's get that off the board. I do think the interior defensive line of the Saints need work. Needs work. I, I'll sit here all day and say I'd be calling the Dominican Sue's number every day of the week until he tells me I'm not playing for you or I will play for you. I would just keep calling him. So I do think Fournette's going to have a good game. I can't see Fournette, though, having the game that Cordell Patterson had because of what you said, though. It is a little bit easier for a running back to have a bigger game when there is that added threat of the fact that your quarterback can run. And knowing that Tom Brady is not some type of speedster that's going to take off and rush for 20, 30 yards, that helps the Saints in, in the fact that when they're running the football, it's up the gut with Leonard Fournette. No, no read options going on here. Um, so I think that will help the Saints. But I, I do think that Leonard Fournette will still have a big game because I do think that the Saints have issues to address in the run defense. We're going to stomp Fournette. Nielsen's going to be on the D-line's butt this week. They'll play well. My concern is still O-line. It's been it's uh, like it's been uh, going on two years now. Ruiz is like Jason David 2.0. Uh, look, I hope they stomp Fournette. I, I think in the sense of, of shutting him out, not physically stomping on Fournette. Um, because that changed the whole game. If they are they're able to limit Leonard Fournette, that goes back to kind of what we we're saying before, right? Make them one dimensional, make sure they're a pass uh, first thing. And, and I think that would really help the Saints, obviously. And then that's a big factor. So to your point, if they're able to shut him down, that changes a lot. As for Ruiz, I talked about it on a podcast yesterday that I was on. So disappointing week one because I thought the improvements on film at least showed in the preseason, right? Using his hands more, being a little bit more assertive, finishing off his blocks. Uh, Those are things that we haven't seen him do. And we saw it in the preseason. I thought, hey, maybe he turned the corner. But Grady Jarrett owned him in week one. And I think he's going to have to be a lot better for us to feel comfortable. Because I could ask any of you Saints fans listening right now and any of you Saints fans who will be listening to this podcast over the course of the next couple of days before the Bucs game. Do you feel comfortable with Cesar Ruiz right now at right guard? 90-something percent of you, maybe even 100%, will say no. And and you're not wrong to say no. But it's more frustrating this year than ever because I thought Ruiz was turning a corner, and maybe that's shame on me, or maybe he just had a bad week one. But it's hard to say it's just a bad week one when it's been a bad couple years. So I hope Cesar Ruiz turns the corner, but I don't feel comfortable about that. And, and that is a good point. This Saints offensive line... You need to step up in this Bucs game because we saw what happened last year when Jameis had to scramble a lot in that Bucs game, and unfortunately that, that horse-collar tackles will put him out for the rest of the year. And you got to protect your quarterback because if the Saints are going to get to where they go, where they want to go, you need Jameis at quarterback. So uh, we'll see what happens there, but I do agree. Ruiz is really, you're reaching that point, man, where it's like if it doesn't work out for you this year, you're not bringing him back for another season. In my opinion, I, I don't what I wouldn't understand the point of bringing him back for another season. I'd argue I feel that way about the whole 2020 draft class for the Saints. It's just not uh what you expect from that group. 
Marcus May is hurt too. Uh, so Marcus May was on the injury report. I would not really panic about that. I, I think that is that's no big deal right now. Um, they haven't listed as an ankle uh, with an ankle injury. He was still limited. I don't get too caught up in the Wednesday injury reports. I try not to. You got Thursday, you got Friday, and you got Saturday to recover. And I think Marcus May will be fine. He played till the final whistle of the Falcons game. So if it's something that happened during today's practice and then he was listed as limited, then yeah, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But we don't have the full specifics right now. So I'm gonna wait on hey, what's the what's wrong with Marcus May? Um, but it is an ankle, was listed as limited, but I'm not concerned at the moment. If I change my mind, I'll let you guys know. But right now I'm not. Bucks will get so far behind they will have to pass. Uh yeah. Yeah, look, that that's the key, right? I think the one thing the Saints have done so well against the Buccaneers the last couple of years is shut down the run game early, score on your first couple of drives, and put them in a situation where Tom Brady's got to drop back and pass first down, second down, third down, and you can just let your pass rushers loose and let your secondary sit back and do their thing. So we'll kind of see if they can repeat that formula. If they do, that'd be good news for the Saints. What does it mean for this defense to get Paulson and Debo back? It means everything. I, I truly mean that, Grant. You know when players get like preseason hype and training camp hype, and then you're like, ah, I don't really know if I believe it. I'm telling you, Paulson Debo was that good during training camp and preseason and what the Saints saw every day in between them. And then when he comes back, not only does that give you a one-two punch at cornerback that could be lethal, Bradley Roby gets to move into slot. Bradley Roby gets to move into slot. Now Justin Evans, P.J. Williams, they can move around. Saints can use them as interchangeable defensive backs. It changes so much. And I think getting back a Debo, what it does for this defense, it puts, I think it takes more pressure off the run game because you know that teams aren't going to be looking to pass on the Saints. If I go into Saints game and a Debo's there and you're looking at a secondary of Lattimore, a Debo, Roby, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, with PJ Williams and Justin Evans being their first two off the bench as being those interchangeable DBs, I am not going into that game thinking, hey, man, we're going to throw all over them. I'm not. So I do think that a Debo will change a lot for this team. I really do. This game kind of reminds me of the week one matchup in 2020. It, it does have a similar feel. I could totally see that. I mean, it's one week off in terms of scheduling wise, so you're totally right there. The injury is a little different. I don't remember them being banged up for that one the way they are for this one. And I don't even want to think about the week one 2020 because that was ironically the game that Michael Thomas got hurt in. So we'll see what happens. It does have that feel though, right? Because when that game happened, we didn't think that was the best version of the Saints and we did not think that was the best version of the Buccaneers. And we saw that Buccaneers went out to win the Super Bowl and the Saints really kind of hit their stride during the middle of the season, especially when they played the Bucs on the road later that year. So I, I do agree with that. Is there any chance that we sign a left tackle like Eric Fisher? Look, Eric Fisher, I've, I've had a lot of people come up to me with that one. My, my question is, what is the situation on Eric Fisher, right? Because he's still unsigned. Is that teams don't feel comfortable with him? Is he waiting for the right opportunity? Is he not 1,000% healthy yet uh, i know that ed Werder, and i'm pulling it up now said that eric fisher wants to play this season and he plans on being selective with his options I, if you're gonna be selective with your options i don't think there's many options that are better than what the saints will present right because this is a team talent wise has a roster capable of contending you you really in terms of the offensive line i talk about the concerns at right guard and left tackle but Center, I feel great with Eric McCoy. Right tackle, I obviously feel great with Ryan Ramchek. And even Andrews Pete, we can say what we want about Pete, but Andrews Pete is still, at the end of the day, a solid football player. Not great, not great, but good enough that he's not going to cost this team, in my opinion, 
where they want to go. I think the bigger weaknesses right now are Hurst and Ruiz, not Pete. So if I'm Eric Fisher, if he could still play, and he is being selective with his options, maybe it's a matter of the Saints not showing interest right now, because if I were Eric Fisher, I would absolutely be interested in what the Saints have to offer. That's just me. So I, I, I totally feel that way. It's a great question, because Eric Fisher is still out on the market, and this is not the first time that someone's asked, and this won't be the last time that someone asked, because Saints do have a question at left tackle. And I think until Trevor Penning comes back, that question at left tackle will stay unless James Hurst's week one performance was an anomaly. Fingers crossed that it was, but we don't know if it is. So we'll have to see how that unfolds. Pete's had Pro Bowls. He could definitely play. Look, Pete is the guy who like, you know, something goes wrong. Who you blame? Someone hits the button, blame Pete. But the, the Saints do have bigger issues than that for sure. And I think for them, the bigger issue is left tackle and right guard. But if, if Penning is able to come back in November and slide into the starting position and plays well, that changes something. Um, and we'll see. And he could give them that nasty streak. That would, that would be big. How does this offense utilize Taysom this week? Seems like after those two runs, he wasn't involved much. Yeah, I find that odd, right? Like, Because I, I think the Falcons never have an answer for Taysom Hill, which is the dumbest thing because Taysom Hill owns them. You would think that they would have an answer for him, but they don't. Uh, but if you're a Saints fan, you're, you're cool with that, the fact they don't have an answer. But... I think it's different with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has hard-hitting, rangy linebackers in Levante David and Devin White that I think can neutralize Taysom Hill more than the Atlanta can. But does that mean that Taysom Hill won't be a factor? No, I think he still will be. And I think he might be more of a factor as a receiver this week than we expect. Maybe more of a receiver than a runner. But I, I will throw in, if you are New Orleans and you know Kamara's dealing with a rib injury and you know Ingram's a little bit banged up, maybe early I'm testing out what Taysom Hill can do with QB power and and see if you can get that run game going on short yarded situations, maybe third and two, maybe even a fourth and inches. I'm still going to Taysom Hill. I just don't know if Taysom Hill will break open the big one like he did against Atlanta, but he should still play a factor. And I'll I'll go as far to say this. We talk about the 2020 playoff loss to the Bucs. Taysom Hill did not play in that game. That was a big absence for the Saints because there were times that they could have used that kind of charge that 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 you know uh i don't know how to really describe it almost that spark plug i'd say for the saints that Taysom hill gives them and then have for that game and it, and it, it ended up costing them so I, I do think that the offense will utilize him this week i think it might be in different ways though i, I think you got it you might have to use him more as a receiver than you did last week and i think for the saints if ingram and Kamara are both uh banged up I think that you have to let Taysom get more carries. I don't think four carries, which I believe is what he got against the Falcons, I don't think that's enough. And I'm pulling it up right now just to double check, but I believe it was four carries for 81 yards, and that is just not enough. Um, If it's working, and B, you know your running backs are banged up, so we'll see what happens. But I do like Taysom to be involved this week. How much? We'll see. But I, I think this could be a week where so much focus is on the big names that Role players like Taysom Hill, role players like Jawan Johnson. This is a big game for them. You, you're going to have to make those plays. We saw Jawan Johnson do it last week. Maybe this is Taysom Hill's week to step up. Maybe it's Adam Troutman's week to step up. Or maybe Jawan Johnson steps up back-to-back weeks, and all of a sudden we start talking about it. Maybe a tight end one emerging. Who knows? We'll kind of see what happens there in that one. So without further ado, if you guys have any more comments, questions, whatever, drop them in. Uh, going to be recording for about another two minutes before we sign off. But if you guys have more comments, questions, predictions, Get him in here. And if, and if you guys want to give your predictions for Saints Bucks, 
go ahead. I'll gladly pull them up on the screen uh, before I bounce here, but that's going to end up wrapping it up after we finish this segment, of course, presented by Neutral Vodka. But Saints-Bucks week two, I don't know if I love that it's early or I hate it. Uh, I, I love the excitement. Uh, I've said it on Twitter today, I believe. I'm kind of losing track of my days here, but Saints-Bucks, the Twitter timeline, gets going. Absolutely gets going. It's one of those that, I, I'm not kidding. Like I live for Saints-Bucks week now. And I kind of live for whoever the biggest rival is for the Saints that particular week. This is the one, uh, that particular year, excuse me. This is obviously the one for the last couple seasons that's been the hot thing. And I know for a fact, if, if the Saints do end up winning Sunday, I know Twitter's going to be wild if that happens in a good way, in a good way. Uh, so we'll see. So let me just pull up a couple of scores that you guys have here. 38 to 35, one prediction. 28 to 25 for another Everyone's thinking low because of the nine nothing last time. I'm thinking shootout. So I I said I was asked score prediction, and I don't like to use do score predictions too much on the Straight Up Saints podcast because then if I go to revisit everything, it always changes. But I told people I feel very good about like my my minimum being 27 24, like my minimum being 27 24 for the score. So I do agree. I don't think this is going to be some defensive shutout because I think the Saints defense has things that they got to get through. And I think the Bucks defense, albeit they played great against the Cowboys, I can sit here and rant for 10 minutes about how I do not think Dallas's roster is good. I don't. And I think the biggest failure Dallas has had, which paid dividends for the Bucs because they were able to shut them down, is Dallas has kind of had a little bit of a situation right now at wide receiver that the Saints went through last year. Now, CeeDee Lamb is better than anyone the Saints had wide receiver last year. I get that part. But what am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that outside of CeeDee Lamb, Dallas has done a bad job of building around him. You gave away Amari Cooper for nothing. You knew Michael Gallup's not going to be ready until a couple of weeks into the season. You lost Cedric Wilson in free agency. You didn't go get a veteran wide receiver like a Jarvis Landry, which Saints fans, thank you for that. And now it's CeeDee Lamb with a bunch of unproven guys and you're doubling CeeDee Lamb and the unproven guys are instead stepping up and all of a sudden what happens? You can't move the ball. And I think if you put so much stock into that Bucks performance, I think that You'll be a little surprised what happens this week when they're going to face better weapons in New Orleans with Michael Thomas, with Jarvis Landry, with Chris Olave. And I'll throw in in this part, as, as you guys chime in with your hoodats. The Saints scored a ridiculous amount of points in the final 12 minutes of the game. 17 points in the final 12 minutes of the game. If they're clicking all, all game long to the point you mentioned before about you're thinking shootout, that's where you can go. That's absolutely where, where the thought process would be at. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, and I, I do agree with you. I, I think that that's the thing for Dallas. They were trying to contend, but at the same time, they were all in on, on saving some money. And that, that's why they ended up getting rid of Amari Cooper for nothing. And now when you look at the cap space that they're holding on to, they could have actually kept him. They have 20 plus million in cap space. But guess what? The good thing, that's not our problem. Our only problem is whether or not the Saints will beat the Bucs. That is this weekend in the dome saints bucks it should be an exciting one we'll see what happens so many great matchups that i talked about earlier on with jc allen thankfully uh he was able to hop on the podcast um so i hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the straight up saints podcast i also hope you enjoyed uh the the fan portion segment sponsored by neutral vodka that's gonna do it for this edition of the straight up saints podcast guys thank you so much for tuning in and always dropping your comments questions concerns predictions Always appreciate that greatly. Enjoy the rest of your week and get ready for a very, very exciting matchup between two division rivals in the NFC South. When that game wraps up, 
I will have a post-game recap review of that matchup. Hopefully, it's another victory recap. We'll see what happens here on the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.